0: Welcome to the Doctors of Running podcast. I'm your host, Nathan. We are a group of doctors of physical therapy. We discuss the art and science of running and the stuff that we put on our feet. Uh, this is episode number 114, and we have a little bit of a special spicy little something going on today for you all. We're talking about a fun a fun topic. We are going to be covering how you can go about choosing what shoes you wear for which races, and if there are reasons to choose different types of shoes for different types of races. And like I said, I'm your host, Nathan, but we also have DJ on with us and more Uh, more excitedly, that's not the phrase, but in a more excited way, I'm so excited to have BJ McGeever, our audio engineer, joining us. David's going to give a full intro to him, but what I wanted to say is we're just really excited to have him on as just another voice into this conversation, just because this is one that there is some science from a physiological perspective that we're going to talk about some injury perspectives, but also we just want to get the take of somebody who isn't a doctor, physical therapy and see what kind of questions pop up through this discussion. So BJ, we're so excited for you joining us today. And David, why don't you give us a nice intro of of BJ for us?
1: Okay. Flint, Michigan to the tropics fans. To so the doctors of running fans coming in at five foot eleven inches, the Lexus from Texas, the man of many names. Some call him the Boogeyman. Some call him El Kakui. Some call him Casper the Friendly Ghost. We have B.J. McGeever coming in on the court.
2: <laughs> wow, wow! I have never received an introduction like that. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Thank you, David.
0: I haven't either. Amazing. Now. I- I feel like we have to have David do all the intros. So, But BJ, thanks for coming on live. You're with us every single week, but now people can it's hear true. your voice. It's true, and so for the record, for, for everyone
2: out there, we did not plan on this. This is spur of the moment, and I'm not sure why I let Nathan talk me into this, but we'll see how it goes.
0: I did. I talked you into it about mm-hmm. three minutes ago, here we are. and here we are. So this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. So like I said... We're going to be talking about uh, the, that topic of how do we pick what shoe you're going to wear for which races what kind of considerations should we have and some tips along the way so in that vein the subjective question for this week is how do you decide right now how do you go about deciding what you're going to wear for your races and we tagged this on at the end for our good old <laughs> david is or is it just alpha fly for everything because that's how it ends up being for his his wife but uh, so what do you what do you all think what what goes into deciding what shoe you're going to wear. And we'll throughout the podcast, we're going to answer that question for ourselves as we go through this. But we we do want to hear from you. So drop it in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. You can reach out to us at Dr at gmail.com if you want to share some thoughts with us. Always happy to hear what you have to say. So first I just want to kind of break this up into some categories. So global question for you and David I'll pitch this your way do you think that there should be or can be a difference between the type of shoe you pick for a 5k 10k half marathon marathon what kind of considerations do go into that from just a race distance perspective
1: of course uh when we take a look at the mileage demands both physiologically and also just effort wise the difference between a 5k and a marathon is 23 miles so there's a lot of different things you can play with, whether it's the weight of the shoe, how aggressive the shoe is on your foot. Twenty,
0: um, Hold on. 23.1. No, it's 23. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, wait. It's 23.1. Mm-hmm. It's 23.1. Yeah. You're right. You're it's right. It's 23.1. Right. Thanks. Bummer. Yeah. All right. You can continue. I went from kilometers to miles there in my head. My bad. <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> Math is hard, and I am incapable of doing it. but there's a lot that goes into it. Like the way I normally look at like 5k racing is if you can get to two to two and a half miles without your calves imploding on you, you're probably in a pretty good spot and you can finish out the rest of that race strong. And so with that said that also you have to train up to some of these shoes and things. So whether it's a track 5k versus a road 5k, that does matter because I'm probably going to be spiking up for a track 5k and you know, I'm not going to be running in track spikes on a road. Like that would be foolish. (laughs) So, uh, I think the next thing too, is what kind of shape you're in and what you're comfortable running in. I think you do have to listen to your body and what works best for you, not what works best for the global running base, not what you see at the Chicago marathon or New York or Boston or Berlin, on what on us who's on on everyone's feet, you know, like when you take a look at some of these companies like Nike and Adidas have the most money to pump into their athletes. So kind of by default, their athletes are going to crush it because they're great athletes, first and foremost. And so if you have a much deeper pool of Nike and Adidas runners, you're just going to see more Nike and Adidas runners versus like Saucony, ASICS, New Balance, things like that. And They're all making pretty good shoes. I mean, really good shoes, to be honest. We're in the Wild West right now where people are just playing with all kinds of materials and coming out with great product. You need to listen to your body and what makes you feel the most effortless at the pace you're trying to run. And so what might work for you at the half marathon may not work for you at the 5K. It might feel like a little too much shoe or whatever your pacing may be. And for me, like... When I think about this, like that 5K, 10K difference there, that that does matter on foot to me. And I probably wouldn't choose the shoe that I'm going to be running in the marathon in later this year for the 5K. And some of the reasons are weight. Some of it's responsiveness. Some of it's just how do I feel when I'm running certain paces? And so that's going to be different for everybody. Um, for some people, it might be the same shoe for all of them. And that's Okay. It just depends on how you feel at given paces and efforts and what you're comfortable running in for that
0: amount of time. Now, that's that's really good insight there. And BJ, do you have anything to add there?
2: I think a really good point is what you're comfortable in. And my, I liked uh, that you mentioned what your shape is like, too, because there are some super shoes that I've run in uh, when I'm fit and I'm like, oh, these are fun. This feels great. But I just got through a spell of two or three months where my legs were just cooked all the time. And I put on a couple of those super shoes and I was questioning how I ever ran in them in the first place. I remember Nathan, you mentioned when right. you were covering for your marathon, <laughs> putting on the audios pro two and having that, no idea how anyone could run in the shoe. And I was like, Oh yeah, I get that now. So I think that's a really big part of it.
0: That's exact. I was going to, kind of build onto what you said exactly with my experience in the audios pro Two Cause I couldn't run in it for the first like two months. And then I actually PR to five mile race in that shoe. Once I was healthy again or healthy, meaning recovered just, I, I felt less fatigued from the marathon. Well, and that shoe, I just like a
2: month, no, like two months ago, PR to five K in it. And then I wore it three weeks ago. And I was like, how, how did I <laughs> <laughs> fast in this shoe just in
0: that short amount of time? Right. Right. So some something that we're going to be drawing a lot from is some of the research that uh, Dr. Dustin Jobert has done. Oh, man, did I butcher his last jo- name? Jo- jo- Bear? Jo- Jobert? 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 Sorry, Dustin. I actually had a phone call with him, like, last week, so I I really respect the guy. I think he's great. I call him Dustin but anyway uh we're going to be pulling from some of the research that he's done so he's the one who who performed the larger super shoe study quote unquote where he compared seven different shoes but he's also done a lot of case studies on himself that has given us at least a picture into what is happening with some of these newer shoes because the reality is that a study that he like what he did with all seven of those super shoes is going to be outdated next year because all the new shoes are going to come out and it's not possible for him to keep recruiting people over and over and over. So that's, that's the nature of this beast is that we won't have perfect physiological data on running economy on all the shoes. So there's, we won't always know, uh, but we will talk about how we might be able to zone in on some of that at the end. But David, you sounded like you had something to add.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say to some degree, it already is. Because a lot of this was AlphaFly 1, Audio... Actually, I don't think the Audios Pro was in that study, was it? Audios Pro... Saucony Endorphin Pro 2 was... Yep. The... Uh, Vaporfly, Vaporfly, uh, Vaporfly yeah.
0: 2, AlphaFly, the first Metaspeed Sky... Rocket X, um, And the Hyperion Hyperion New Balance Elite RC, yep. Hyperion that's Elite the, 2.
1: And that was the RC 1. Like, that wasn't yes. RC 2. So, like, we're already going to be moving towards SC Elite, which would be the RC3 equivalent. So that's just Mm -hmm. how research works. And by the time you go through the proper channels to get things published,
0: it's going to be a little bit behind. Which is why I appreciate his willingness, even though it's one person, his willingness to post some of that data. And I wonder, we'll talk about this more later, but I wonder if he's going to be able to post other case studies outside of himself uh, just because of some of the work he's going to be doing. So... I think that's something to keep in mind. I know I actually was saying before we started recording it would be fun to have him on for this conversation because I think he has a certain viewpoint uh and I don't want to speak for him, but one of the things he he has said to us and on other podcasts he's been on is uh you know te- if you have a shoe that you've tested and you have the best running economy in that shoe, you should run in that shoe for all your races. It doesn't matter what distance because it gives you the best running economy. How do you you guys respond to that David? How do you Uh, like, where do you agree with that? Where do you deviate from that? What do you think? Yeah, it's
1: an interesting question because now we're taking physiological principles. I know he's taking a look at kilocalories. He's also looking at VO two measurements and taking a look at, to see the difference between two different pairs of shoes, um, economically calculating running economy from those. And so to some degree, it's awesome, right? Like you might be taking some energy off and running a little bit more efficiently, However, if that shoe doesn't feel good to you, you might not know that without having that data. So it's a tricky thing to play with versus like, is this shoe comfortable, but I'm running well versus I trust the shoe and I like this shoe and it feels good on my foot. And so that can be an interesting dichotomy to play with. I think most of the time when you put on a shoe and you know it works for you, chances are it's probably working in your favor from a metabolic efficiency standpoint most of the time. Um, I'd be willing to bet if we put me on a treadmill and had me go on the alpha fly versus some of these other shoes, I probably would respond a little bit better to the alpha fly. I think there's a certain value to the sensation you get when you're like, Oh wow. Like I'm, I feel more efficient in this shoe. Like this, this, I feel better. Like I'm, this is coming from someone who's tried pretty much everything on the market at this point. And like, I just like, I like that shoe. Um, there's other ones. They're all good. They're all really good. You know, they're all better than what we had a year or two ago. So everyone's making good product. It's just a matter of finding, like, what do I feel the best in? What do I feel the most effortless in? And then, again, at given paces, because that does change depending on what you're putting down. So that's probably where I would differ a little bit, actually, um, Mm -hmm. is just because it's more economical, it might be a little bit dependent on that energy system, right? Like, to Mm -hmm. test running economy, you have to be at a submaximal load. Because if you start having anaerobic mechanisms come in, that changes the data wildly, and you're no longer in that submaximal load where you can take an accurate look. And that's another thing with research is to get more and more accurate, you have to control more and more. And so in order to be sure you're in a certain zone, you can't go past said threshold. And when you're racing a genuine all-out 5K, you're going to be past that threshold. So... (laughs) that's where things start to change. And that's where I think human experience and just trying these shoes and testing them at various paces does have a little bit more merit, but for marathon for half marathon, you could probably follow that data decently well and have, um, pretty good results.
0: Yeah. I think, I think what you said that's interesting is kind of that, what we feel and what we experience in terms of a shoe feeling comfortable and smooth and effortless when you're running in it. Does that core? I think a wonderful study would be measuring the subjective response to a shoe in terms of how smooth it feels for you, how good it feels, and does that correlate with your running economy scores? And that could even be something easy for Dustin to add into some of his case study. It's just, hey, in these shoes, how do you feel? You know, and just getting and, and there, There's probably an easy Likert scale type question that you could develop for it, but I think that would be an interesting match because if we can get something more clinically useful. That you wouldn't need a lot of technology to figure out what shoe is going to be the most efficient. If there's some other metric that even as simple as how you feel in the shoe, or so, there's probably some ways you could tease out definitions of of what a shoe feels like. I think that would be fascinating. So I want to ask both of y'all this question: just sticking to the idea of how distance of the race influences your pick for a shoe, not not terrain, not anything else, just the distance itself. BJ, what do you like in a 5K shoe versus a half marathon or marathon shoe? What are there differences between what you like in those two categories?
2: Yeah, something you said on the show a couple weeks ago is stuck in my head. Like, you can suffer through a 5K uh, because it's short, you know? For me, it's like just under 20 minutes. So I can go with something that's maybe going to be a little bit uh, less comfortable. So I want something that's not going to get in my way, uh, when I'm trying to run fast. Uh, and there've been a couple, couple super shoes, even ones that I really like, um, for longer distances that feel like they, you know, I don't have anything scientific here, but they feel like they impede my mechanics a little bit when my stride opens up or probably when my cadence increases going at five K pace versus half marathon or tempo pace. Um, so I'm okay if it's a little, uh, firmer because I, cause some of the softer shoes feel like I'm getting bogged down on the ground in the road a little bit too much. Um, whereas it's the mm. opposite. I haven't run a marathon. I've only run a few halves. Um, but it's the opposite for a half oh, okay. where yeah. I want some more softness and I want some more cushion because I know, especially if I'm not doing well, I'm going to get tired, you know, come mile nine, mile 10, and I'm going to need something to help me out a little bit more than something that I would love to just rip a 5k in. Yeah. David, is that similar for you
1: or any differences? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, when I take a look at approaching a 5K, and this is actually really interesting because depending on 5K versus 10K, that that choice might change again because 10K is still double what 5K is. So like what you can suffer through a 5K in by mile five, that might be a little bit different. And... I try to take a look at how do I feel when I'm pushing in the shoe? Like, not just, like, effortless-wise, but, like, how does the shoe feel? Do I feel like I'm getting anything from it? Because some of these shoes are a little bit more bouncy the harder you punch them into the ground. And some of them like you to just fall in rhythm and stay there. And so that's one thing that I've really paid a little bit more attention to when I'm trying out certain shoes. And it's it's interesting because, like a sharply rockered shoe, I might not like that as much for, say, a 5K or 10K. I might want something with a little bit more of a flatter geometry that I'm punching into the ground and using my calves a little bit more for because I can afford it. And I've also, like, trained up to that to some degree. And, like, if I'm using a very flat kind of quick track type perspective, I've got a couple shoes here to the side, but my 5K – PR now is in the Nike Dragonfly. Um I don't know if I'd wear it for the full 10k. And that's me being fully honest. I actually really like the Adidas Savanti. I feel like I get a little bit faster, a little bit more pop out of the Dragonfly like if I had to go 1500, 5k, I'm going to go Dragonfly easily between these two. But for 10k, I put in a little bit smaller spikes. It's got a little bit more of a forgiving geometry to it. Spike plate's not as crazy. I can fall into rhythm a little bit more, but still run fast and not have to worry about it. I'm probably going to go Avanti. And so that's also where things come in on the road as well, where you have these shoes like the New Balance SC Pacer, which you can use all the way up to half marathon. I mean, people are running really fast in this at the distances too. It's still fuel cell. It's still a respectable stack, but it's lower than what a lot of these other super shoes on the market are. So I think it also depends on your own personal feel. Like, do you like it high up, squishy, bouncy, or do you like it a little bit firmer and snappier, a little bit lower to the ground
2: and go off of how you feel when you're actually loading something quickly? I think the Um, rhythm is a really good point, David. I think about running in a 5K, running 5K shoe. uh, I almost want something that I have to force myself to stay on top of to get the maximum benefit out of because it kind of helps me uh, push harder, you know, it's 5k. I don't want to get in quite as much yep. of a rhythm as I would in a half marathon or a 10 K. Um, whereas I don't want, I don't want to have to be fighting against a shoe. If I'm getting tired in a 10 K or getting tired in a half marathon, I want to know what's going to keep me going and keep me in, in rhythm versus having to, you know, make sure I'm up on my forefoot or push harder with the heel or something like that to know that I'm getting the most benefit out of it.
0: Which shoes for, for both of you, maybe you can start BJ like when you think about your ideal 5k shoe which what pops into your head what do you what do you gravitate towards
2: um I think I want something that is on the firmer end of soft this is something we always talk about is how differently we define firm and soft and (laughs) I think all three of us have very different definitions right here um we do but in my you know old numbered line of firm versus soft. I want something that's a little bit on the firmer side, uh, and feels really, uh, snappy and rockered off the toe, um, a little bit. And Okay. Wait, did you just ask about five k? Did you ask about the ones too?
0: You can go. Th- you can go further up too. And if you have any specific shoes too, like oh, I like this shoe for five k, you can say that too.
2: I mean, I I ran the latest five k that I did. I ran a handful of them over the summer. The latest one was in the Audios Pro Two. I'm behind a year because I got it on sale, um, but it was great and it yeah. did what I was just talking about where. I, I felt like I had to run on rails, um, because like literal rails, cause it's got the rods in it. Um, but it felt yeah. like it was just <laughs> keeping me like very much in a straight line when I was running. It's kind of hard to find, but, yeah. um, and every time I would kind of get tired and kind of felt like I was leaning back a little bit it was like, Oh no, gotta stay up. Gotta keep pushing. And that really helped me. That's a I noticeable agree. rocker. Yeah, too. yeah. Very noticeable rocker. Um, help me yeah. stay mentally focused which is a weird thing to rely on a shoe to do but it definitely did
1: sure i will say the audios pro 2 is such a fun shoe at the forefoot it's so poppy and bouncy it is but i i had the same feeling if you start getting tired you start slipping back a little bit you almost start fighting the platform
2: yeah and it doesn't have as much in the heel as some of the other super shoes do both like physically it's a pretty narrow heel i don't have it in front of me but it's a
0: yeah. The width its real it's narrow. It's, narrow. it
2: works mm-hmm. for me because it's got a big lateral heel bevel on it. Um, so I, that's how I can manage to run it in it, even though it's got the crazy cutout out midfoot. Um, but it, when I fall back on my heels, which is what I'm, I tend to do when I get tired, there's not as much give there to it. So I need to stay up on the platform more forward on it for it to keep pushing me forward.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I, I would agree with you in terms of style and shoes that popped into my head for 5k preference. Adios Pro 2 is one of them. That was my, like I said, that was my, that's my five mile PR. So that I enjoyed it for that really pushing. And even in that last mile, when I was really tired, that was a really fun race, by the way, I was running against like the high school cross country guys, uh, just a couple of them during the, just during their off season. So but I ended up kicking him down and I won the that race. It's the only race I've ever won and probably will ever win in my life. But I was about to give up at like four and a quarter. And then all of a sudden he fell off my shoulder and I'm like, I guess I can't give up now. But back to the shoe, I think that it had just enough rocker to it where it just kept me forward. And I really appreciated that. Another shoe that I really like for those shorter distances. And I don't even know if it's available anymore, but I really like the Skechers Speed Elite, the original Speed Elite, just because it's lower and, but it really had a rigid, it felt like a road track spike, but it didn't wreck my calves. Like I also ran my PR half marathon in that shoe, but I really liked it for those really, really getting the legs turned over because it was so light. Uh, and it had that really aggressive toe spring and rock four foot rocker that I just love just kind of propulsing off of that. But when you think 5K, David, what shoes do you think of? I know you mentioned a couple, but I don't know if those were your picks.
1: Yeah, so when I think of the 5K, I actually do like a little bit of that flatter geometry, like I said. I like having a little bit of toe spring, but I like to feel like I'm really bouncing and popping off the forefoot. And so a couple of shoes that I think of pretty quickly, um, the first two to come to mind um, outside of Alpha 1. But... <laughs> We've got the Puma Fast R and the A6 Metaspeed Edge+. Plus. With the A6 Metaspeed Edge+, turbo foam has always felt a little bit firmer to me, but still Mm -hmm. bouncy. Like, it still has Mm -hmm. that bounce off the forefoot. The geometry on it isn't quite as crazy as the other super shoes. You still have a heel bevel. You still have a toe spring, but it's a little bit more gradual. And then the plates, it is sharply rockered at the end. You feel that when you're running but it's not so dramatic that you feel like you're falling off of the front so mm. I like that aspect of like I'm pushing into the ground and this shoe is pushing me off with with what I'm putting into the ground and so the same thing goes with the Puma fast forward a little bit different here because you have the EVA heel so it's fast star really fa- I mean oh fast star my bad star um eva heel sharply rocker just transitions you really quick into that forefoot and then the forefoot is that like nitrogen infused peabacks, that nitro elite that they call it very bouncy very poppy at the forefoot it's a shoe that just transitions really quickly and just bounces you forward so it kind of keep i like to feel like i'm always a little bit forward when i'm running a 5k and then when it comes to 10k I like that same feeling, but I want to make sure that I'm still alive by that thing, by the end of that race. (laughs) So (laughs) thankfully, both of these shoes still have a good amount of stack and like enough of a geometry to like, I can still back off a little bit and still be fine. But for 5k, 10k distances, I'd probably choose either one of these. And for the 10k, I might even go Vaporfly next percent too. That might, that's when that starts dabbling back into that conversation for me. Yeah. Light, rockered still has a little bit of a bounce at the front. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what that shoe looks like at this point, but that's this guy right here. Um, my 9.5, I think it's like seven ounces, it's like 7.0 or something like that. They're all pretty comparable, like they're not far off of each other. Um, but I can pick up my legs quick. It's got a good bounce coming off the forefoot, and when I'm running a 5K pace in those shoes, I feel like I'm just a little bit high up in the Vaporfly. Like, I just don't think I'd quite reach for it for 5K, but for me, for 10K, like that type of pacing to half marathon, that shoe is pretty darn good and I can settle right in. So it would be a little bit of a toss up. I think it would just depend kind of on what the course looks like at that point as to which shoe I choose.
0: Let's transition a little bit to course and how that may influence stuff. But before we do that, I think one other point I wanted to bring up about distance and running economy testing and how that influences your shoe choice. You know, this is not my area of expertise. I'll be the first to admit that. However, I think something to consider is, you know, at best, you know, this one, some of these shoes are going to give you a 3% ish three to 4% improvement in running economy as compared to a, like a, uh, a, a a, a control shoe like he's used the hyperspeed from ASICS not compared to the metaseed sky or not compared to the endorphin pro like if depending on what you choose if you're in that realm you're thinking about a half percent to 1% to 2% difference And I think when you think about over the course of a marathon, that running economy improvement is going to have a larger impact on performance potentially than it will for a 5K, which is so short. I think that's the other part where you have a, I think you have a little bit more freedom to go towards preference and what's going to help you up here in your head, because performance is not defined by running economy. Performance is this huge conglomerate of all of our mental and physical preparation and kind of how we feel that day, how we slept, you know, you can't. You can't predict performance based on your shoe. And so I think when you're at a 5K, you have a little more freedom to find the thing that you feel the fastest in, because that psychological benefit might give you just that little extra push that might give you more benefit than if you had the one that didn't feel good, but gives you the little bit of running economy boost just because of how short the race is. So I do think that's something to consider as well. Um, I want to give also a quick caveat that right now this conversation is centering on people who are really wanting to run races for the sake of getting a new PR and running as fast as you can, there are a lot of different reasons to run and a lot of different reasons to participate in races, and we are going to talk about that. So just kind of keep that in mind. The goal isn't always to buy a super shoe (laughs) to to run your races in, so just keep that in mind. We will get to that. But staying in kind of this part of the conversation, how do you feel like hills or Type of course terrain or the amount of turns, do those influence the kind of racing shoe that you pick?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. It helps determine what shoe you're going to choose. Like, we were on a long run today, and the shoe I was in, like, my training partners turned to me, like, Do you feel comfortable going through the section? I'm like, In this shoe, yeah, I'm good. And it was kind of a dirt trail section where we kind of dropped down and took a couple turns and did some things, and we were running. I mean a decent, a decent enough pace to where I would have to watch my steps a little bit more, and I can't be like, you know, hands off, carefree. Um, I think listening to how your body feels, both with cornering, whether it's road or dirt or grass or track, like know how you feel when you're turning in a certain shoe. But also, how does it feel when that surface underneath you changes? Because especially if we're talking super shoes, these foams are very compliant. Like they're soft, they're bouncy, they're already playing with you a little bit when you're landing. And a lot of them are designed for the road specifically. And so when you take it to the road or the grass, sometimes you feel like you might break an ankle. And if you genuinely feel that way, which a lot of people do, you know, there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. um, It might not be the shoe for that course, especially if there's a lot of it. And so I think weighing the pros and cons of what you're going into, there's a couple of shoes I really love on straightaways that I feel very fast and effortless in, but I don't like cornering in them. And so if there's a course that has a lot of turns, I'm not going to wear that shoe no matter how much I like it on a straightaway.
2: Um, yeah. If so, I'm, yeah. if I'm running a race, I don't want to have to look down at my a road race. At least, I don't want to have to look down at my feet and make sure I know where I'm stepping in a shoe when I'm taking a turn. I want to be able to just go, and not have to worry about that, or if I'm having to, you know, weave in, a, in and out of a bunch of people at a turkey trot, which I did last year, it was crazy, and I didn't want to have to pay attention to where I was going to have to step, make sure I didn't fall off a curb or something like that. Yeah, I
0: think I think the turning and comfort on, on turns, depending on the type of course you have, makes a huge difference in terms of, of what you pick. Um, what about hills? Do Do hilly courses influence you at all in terms of what you pick? BJ, do you want to start on this one at all? Uh, well, I am stuck in
2: South Texas, so we have no hills. Flat. And when I do run on hills, <laughs> I die because everywhere I run is pancake flat. True story.
0: So, worst half marathon I've ever run matter. was in
2: East Te- or uh, Central Texas, way more hilly. And by hilly, I mean like nothing for David. It's probably like you know his street. Um, and I I died. Uh, but I I will say that um. There are some shoes that I have to, uh, like I was mentioning that I feel like I have to have better form in and yeah, man, especially if I'm tired, ty- if I'm going to be tired at the end of the hilly race, like that's going to be a big factor for me, mm-hmm. especially since I'm someone who doesn't get to train on those hills very, very often. BJ,
0: I think you and I have some similar lifestyles. So S- central Wisconsin isn't necessarily flat, but Steven's point is, um, and I did, I think I've mentioned this before, but I did a 22 mile marathon training run and I had 112 feet of elevation gain over the entire, like over the, and I, I like sought out the hills in Stevens <laughs> Point and it was, <laughs> and that's all I could get. And I, I just, I just look at, you know, people's runs in most other places and I'm like, oh, right. Gosh. You look at DJ
2: Strava and it's like, you know, 1,500 feet of vert every other day. No big deal.
0: Yeah. So all of these Strava, you know, how much can you climb this month's challenge? I'm like, well no, screw that. I can't get no matter how hard I try, I never have to just like what's the point? Yeah, there's no point at all. Um (laughs) David, before you answer, I think that there is, you know, there's a couple studies out there, one on the Vaporfly, um, and then one on the oh my gosh, the endorphin pro. And so the the study on the endorphin pro is done by McLeod and um what they they looked at that on a treadmill, hills, inclines, and declines, and they found the same at the Endorphin Pro. They found the same amount of uh, running economy improvements in all three conditions. Uh, the, the other shoe that has been studied is the uh, Vaporfly Four Percent, so the original one. And there was a there was benefit at all three situations, but slightly less benefit at the incline and um, in, in a little bit less at the decline position as well. So in that situation, in that study, they saw a 2.8% improvement um, on the incline with a lot of variability in there the about a 3.8% on the flat and 2.5% on the decline. So still got benefit a little bit less, uh, in the vapor fly on those two hilly conditions, but that is kind of the one study we have or the two studies that we have on how Hills influence it. But David, what do you have for how you consider, you know, Hills and racing and what shoe you might pick?
1: Totally. Yeah. I So, and this is also a personal preference thing to go back later. But for one thing I've noticed pretty consistently for me is if the shoe is really sharply rockered up at the front with the toe spring, where it's just very sharply curved, I almost feel like I'm falling into the hill. Like, I feel like I'm having to pick my legs up more and I'm actually fighting that shoe in the hill a little bit more. On the flats, it feels good. You're falling off. You feel like you're in cadence, but it almost feels like it's too much going up the hill. And so those types of shoes I do tend to avoid if I'm running on steep inclines or declines. And then same kind of goes for the downhill, too, to some degree, because you're falling off a little bit quicker. My stride opens up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so we just got to talk about the grades of the hills. You know, like if it's a kind of a gradual down, totally fine. If anything, it might be a good thing because you're just opening up and as long as you can keep yourself under control, you might have a really good day. But if it's a steeper incline and you're really kind of falling off the front and now you're starting to get real loosey-goosey and the legs are out of control, that can be an issue. So just practice a little bit on these terrains on how you feel in these shoes um, same goes for really spongy midsoles So like something like the fuel cell RC Elite I would struggle with on hills. I was gonna say the same mm-hmm. thing. Because there's just a, Yep. Yeah, like it's one of those shoes where like I just on flats it feels good, gradual down it feels good, but sharp down
2: and sharp up, no bueno. Like I just I can't struggle. I feel like in that one I've run a ton in the, the version one when I hit a downhill it's like i'm i move mm. when i hit the ground even though the grip is so good because that midsole is so compliant it's like i hit it and then i move because the hills you know because i'm coming down so much harder the sheer through same. the
0: foam within the foam itself almost feels uh-huh. like you can feel that yep. mm-hmm.
1: same with the adidas Adios pro for me light strike pro very soft very bouncy
2: um yeah it's like i need something more stability there so i like my foot and my legs stay more stable
1: Yeah. And that's not to say that these are bad shoes. Both are phenomenal shoes. It's just different circumstances that make them act different ways.
0: Yeah. I very much agree with the sentiment on rockers and how severe they are and how I perform on hills. I just feel like if I'm running uphill, I tend to become a little bit more forward in general. I mean, we just, from a mechanics perspective, that's just what we tend to do. And I get a little bit more towards my forefoot and activating my posterior chain. And if it has a really severe rocker, I feel like I never get to use it. I just am sitting on the end of the rocker and I'm, I'm never actually activating kind of or like being able to propulse through it, which is I, I wonder, you know, in terms of severity of rockers, I, I I might differ in my opinion on this, but when it comes to the original Endorphin Pro and version two, I always thought those felt more smooth and gradual than more aggressive. I've, I just felt like they were rhythmic shoes, and I felt like that's why I could stay consistent on the quote-unquote hills that we have here in Stevens Point, which are overpasses. But I felt like I was never really um, out of rhythm, whereas with some of these other models, I think of the uh, Metaspeed Sky, I had a little bit tougher time getting uphill on those just because I, I would have to try to like use a rocker that I can't really utilize is what it felt like. So,
1: yeah, there's also a little bit less stack on those. So like to take the hills, for example, endorphin pro one and two and plus worked a lot better for me with steeper hills than the endorphin pro three did. Mm -hmm. And that increase in stack made it just a little bit softer, a little bit just harder to use. And so like that sharp rocker and the soft foam that we were just talking about, like you get the double whammy in the endorphin pro three where phenomenal shoot, great shoot, but like steep hills just doesn't do well for me. And
2: where Endorphin Pro 1, 2, and Plus were actually quite good. And that's one that I felt like you were mentioning, you know, naturally leaning forward when you're going a hill. That's one where I really felt like if I have a good forward lean from the trunk, that one just like the Mm -hmm. Pro 1 just like sent me forward way more than most other shoes do. Yeah, cool.
0: So I'm going to circle back to a previous conversation. We first talked about 5K shoes and kind of what you lean towards personally and how you pick them for you let's do that same thing for half marathon or marathon. And this is a question mainly for David, but BJ, you can answer too. Um, Like, David, we know that you've chosen the the Alpha Fly for a marathon. Is there a course or a type of course that would switch you away from it for even a half marathon? So, like, at what point does a hilly course switch your choice? Like, when does it become significant enough to change but first tell us what you look for in a half marathon marathon shoe which might be different but kind of that long distance racing and then at what point does a course actually change it for you
1: yeah that's a great question i think first things first before anything is how do i feel in that shoe when i run beyond 15 16 miles that's a great insight into how you're gonna do at mile 20 plus you know if you can trust this shoe for that long and your feet feel fine the rest of it's you that's not it's not the shoe so that's going to be your own conditioning everything else like that if you're going to have problems in a shoe you're probably going to have it before you even hit mile 10 to be completely honest but like let's say like with Alphafly 1 this is something we talked about a good amount it gave me some arch pain like it wasn't not always like i don't know if it was my own intrinsic foot or the way it was shaped real narrow in the midfoot and you kind of fall over that plate a little bit um, but that was a shoe that when I took it beyond fifteen miles, I kinda always knew it would be a little bit of a gamble. And I decided to risk it for the biscuit, and um that wasn't the shoe of what resulted that day. But um I think Alpha Fly Two cleaned that up a lot, and so I think that will change things going forward for the marathon. I think I'm most likely gonna run in the Alpha Fly Two for the next marathon. Um With that said, I'm still on the fence about running it in the half. And so that's an interesting thing to bring up as well. I'm at a point where the difference between half marathon pace and marathon pace is realistically, I mean, we're talking 10 to 15 seconds per mile where it's not much, you know. And the difference in feeling about how much effort that feels can be pretty large you know and so the alpha fly 2 in my size is like eight and a half ounces 8.5 i believe eight point it's 8.5 or 8.6 which is pretty heavy for a racing shoe you know and like for a marathon i feel very comfortable in it i trust it the sole flaring the way it locks down in the upper like the shoe feels good it's not like it's a bad shoe elliade kipchoge obviously just ran a world record in the shoe
0: yeah like
1: yep. it's still a good shoe but with that said there's just a little bit more on it and I'm not running four thirty seven miles for twenty six miles like that's just i'm not doing that so <laughs> man, we'd be lucky if I did that for three like
0: <laughs> but <laughs> um, I, wonder I, I wonder if i could do a i bet I could do a four hundred it's
2: been have you not have you' not seen it it's been all over uh all over Instagram lately I've seen on like my search page they have the Kipchoge test, so they oh, said yeah. treadmill, treadmill, at that treadmill pace to and... four thirty seven pace and you jump I, on and see I how I think I could go five K at
1: that. If I really, really train and go for it, but like I mean what would that be? That'd be like 1410, 1415,
2: Something like that. I'm with Nathan. I'd be lucky if I get four hundred. Yeah, I don't
0: I know I could get a hundred in, maybe.
2: Yeah. 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 I think I could do a hundred. But like with that
1: said, it just feels like a lot of shoe for me to run that fast in, (laughs) Yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: same goes for the half marathon pace. And so that's where I'm on the fence where I'm like, I feel like I could do it, but I don't know if nine miles in, if I'm going to regret that decision. So what kind of course
0: would, would switch you to something a little bit more, I don't know, would it be towards something more stable, something less rockered? Like what, what would be the change? Right.
1: Yeah, I think the more extreme the course is, the more neutral I'm going to go. Being, like, less rocker, less bounciness, less compliance to the foam, just a more shoe... Like, a shoe that's very predictable that I can trust. And right now, for me, that would probably be... I'm looking around here. I got, like, a bunch of shoes underneath me, so I apologize, fans. Um...
2: Needs one of those vending or those like kids game pickers. <laughs> stuff, comes down and grabs the shoe and pulls it. For up. For me
1: though, like if I had to be genuinely honest, between five K to marathon, whether it's like dirt turns, like throw the most extreme course that you possibly can at me, without it being a legit trail race, right? I'm probably gonna go the Asics MetaSpeed Edge Plus.
0: That's what I was gonna guess. Yeah, I should have I I said it all. Yeah. Loud darn it. That would be brown.
1: I feel a little bit more grounded in it. The foam, like I said, it feels a little bit more firmer to me. Like it still has a good amount of bounce. Like it's not like it doesn't have bounce, but I just feel a little bit more grounded. The sole flaring in the forefoot works well for me. And then the traction underfoot is actually pretty good. And so like, I feel like I can just do a little bit of everything in that shoe. It's kind of like one of those Jack of all trades type of super shoes where like, I don't know if I would choose it over the alpha in the marathon. Uh, I think it's like pretty darn comparable with the Vaporfly for my own mechanics for the marathon yep. for half marathon. All three of them are so close. And so that's like what I'm struggling with right now as I'm going into a half marathon very soon. And so I like them all there. None of them are bad choices. It's just going to be whatever I decide to run in that day. Yeah. Um, but with that said, if it's sharp hills, sharp declines, sharp turns, I'm probably going to reach for the A6 Speed Edge Plus for me. Great. Um, long straightaways, and there's hardly any turning at all. There's a shoe I can't talk about that I probably will choose that I don't like cornering in, like we talked about earlier. Yep. Um, if it's gradual gradients and turns, you can pretty much get away with almost any shoe for the most part, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'd probably go with the alpha. I mean, there's a good chance I'm probably going to race in the alpha at CIM. You know, I think it's in the 90 percentile at this point. You know, I I like it. I'm confident with it. The alpha two. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. So we've talked about a couple things. We've talked about how distance may influence based on your personal preferences, the psychological benefits, your running economy. We also talked about how terrain may influence this, whether if it's turns or hills or even some dirt that goes into it or gravel. Uh, The other thing that that we haven't touched on much is your goal. Um, And so I kind of want to transition to that while also talking about price, because we live in like us the people talking right now we live in this very privileged little weird sphere where we get provided shoes to test and write reviews on so the the idea of buying a shoe and the the actual like influence of that on us doesn't happen because or at least not very often because often they're being sent to us and i think we want to recognize that but also choosing shoes price does unfortunately play into this a lot. And I say, unfortunately because the price of footwear yeah. and everything is going up in a, in a sport that can be so approachable is in some ways getting less approachable because of these costs, uh, on people. And, and that's, that is a very real factor that we need to consider. So when you think about what your goal is for the race, um, which, could be a number of things. How do you feel like that may influence the type of shoe that you get? BJ, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I think if I'm just going out there to have fun and not, you know, go, go chase a PR. I think I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm going to care a little less, you know, like maybe I want to, maybe I've got a new shoe that I want to try and I don't know what it's going to do to me at mile 10 of a half marathon or if I, you know, if I end up running a marathon, like mile 20, I don't know what's going to do, but like, whatever, I'm just going out there to have fun. So I'm going to give it a <laughs> shot. Um, and same thing with 5k, you know, shorter races like that. Those are great times to just try out new shoes. Cause that, that's the only way you're going to know how you can race in these shoes is just to put it out there and test it and see what it does.
0: Yeah. And I think too, you know, that if if the goal of this run is to run a 5k or to run a 10k or to run a marathon or an ultra marathon we've said this before but super shoes just aren't necessary um we've we've talked there's some studies out there there aren't many but there are studies on uh, how much running economy improvement you get from these types of shoes at different paces um and dustin has done another case study with it but you know you go down to a 10 minute per mile and you still and like the, he did the vapor fly against the uh, a6 hyper speed. and he found for himself this is just a case study at 940 pace um, 940 per mile is six minutes per kilometer he's getting a 1.6 percent improvement and then when you go down to a six minute per mile or a 345 kilometer he's getting that four percent improvement from the vapor fly so you're seeing this kind of you know, a gradient of it's getting more running economy improvement as these people are running faster, keeping in mind that he's not someone whose self-selected pace for a race is a nine forty. I think that might be something that, that, that plays into it more so than just what's happening uh, to his body. But I, I think, you can still get some benefit from these shoes, but is that the point of the run? And I, I think for most of us, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is I want to run a marathon and I want to do it healthy. And I also want to set a PR, but that doesn't mean you need to go buy a shoe. Um, and, and I think that's where the marketing gets at us. It's These things are marketed as, excuse me, as these marathon shoes that you have to have to run your best. And I just don't think that's the case. Um, I know that if I wasn't in Doctors of Running... I wouldn't own any of these super shoes, which is, which is weird to say that now that I have tested most of them. Um, but I just, I know that that's how budgetarily that's how we would function is the money would be the factor that would keep me from buying these shoes. I'm not a high performance runner. And I think that I could perform pretty much just as well, uh, without, without them and at least work towards the goals that I have, um, without these shoes. So I think, I think it plays a big role.
2: And as I, I think I'm, I can say I'm like the most, uh, normal yeah. runner of the group. Like I, I've only been doing uh DOR for less than a year now. And I had the first few races, first two years of racing or running that I did. I didn't, I had like two shoes and I didn't have any super shoes. I don't think I even think I knew what they were for the longest time. And I had a great time racing five Ks and 10 Ks, even a half, I ran a half in like a old new balance mm-hmm. shoe, and it was a blast because you know, it was my first couple of races and it was so much fun. And you know what the gradient's like when you're getting better at those early times, like oh, you're yeah, just you're just performance is just shooting up as you train. Fun. Um, and you know, I felt great and had an awesome time and you know, I can't, I'm like you, I can't go and afford, you know, $250 super shoes, especially right. multiple. And then when I did finally get one, yeah, I deliberated and this is my personality, but I deliberated for so <laughs> long, picking out, A super shoe because I knew I was like, okay, BJ, this is the only fancy shoe you're gonna have for the longest time. You're gonna put you know you gotta put all the miles on these shoes. You gotta pick out something that you like because you're gonna use it for all your races. I think this
0: is valuable. How'd you end up picking one?
2: Okay, Uh,
0: I what did you pick? I know
2: I had I got the this was let's see twenty nineteen I think Um, I picked the RC Elite One because I really liked new balance. And I think that's kind of what it came down to for me. And I, I knew enough to know that I needed, um, that like stability was something that I kind of wanted. So I was afraid of running in the vapor fly because I knew like, you know, the midfoot's real yep. narrow and the irony is like the RC lead is incredibly unstable in the midfoot. Um, but I knew I liked new balance. I knew I liked soft shoes, and man, when I got that shoe and put it on for the first, I'll never forget my first run in that shoe. I was like, <laughs> whoa, it feels like I have a trampoline on my feet. This yeah. is crazy. And, you know, that was a, their, their very first super shoe and their shoes have only gotten better since. So it's, you know, that's the other thing to keep in mind for other like normal people like me. You know, you get your first super shoot, and it's going to feel – if you pick one that works for your mechanics and you're comfortable in, it's going to feel like something crazy. It's going to feel like you have rocket ships on your feet. And that that alone is worth all the bit. I don't care what my running economy is. I'm never going to be able to test my running economy yeah. in a lab. Like, yeah. you know, 99% of people are going to be able to do that. But if you get a shoe you feel good in and you feel like you're flying in, that's all you need.
1: I – might butcher this. It was one of these two guys. It was either uh, Bashir Abdi or it was Kenanisa Bekele. I can't remember which one. But they said, if when you go to buy a pair of shoes, buy a shoe that you're excited to run in because then you're going to want to run in that shoe yeah. every day. Heck yeah. Like, when you go to get a pair, make sure it's something that's special to you that you want to go and actually do the thing in. So yep. there's a
2: lot of value in it. And, man, whenever I would do my... Uh, whenever I had a race coming up and I, like... I did a couple tune-up workouts before that race, you know, whether it's, you know, six by 800 for a 5k or something like that. I remember the night before even getting excited, like, yes, I get to wear my RC elites for my workout because, yeah. you know, I didn't ever want to touch them because they were you my know, race shoes. I remember getting like super pumped to put those shoes on. And I think that plays a huge part of it, both in the performance of the workout and in the you, race you itself. talk
0: about getting the shoe that you're excited to run in. And I, I work with a number of runners right now. And in one of those people, I that they were not running in shoes that were designed for running. They were just running. So when they went and they bought a New Balance 880, they went berserk. It was that same feeling of like, I'm on clouds. This is the crazy, I can't wait to go on a run. And I think that experience happens for us. Um, And, you know, once you run in shoes, eventually they all just start to feel like shoes. But, you know, I think that there, there is this magic to... Finding something that does promote, again, that psychological excitement about running, and it doesn't need to be a $250 shoe. Unfortunately, you know, most shoes, you know, quality foams, you know, you're looking at 130 plus at this point, so it's still not cheap, but there's ways to get them a little bit discounted through Buying a year later because it's still a good shoe. Yeah, They're still good. Yeah, Don't dude. let them tell you that it's like that much better. It's no. not.
2: <laughs> Go get Audios Pro 2s for yes, 100 exactly. bucks. Yeah,
1: just get it a year later. Endorphin like...
2: Pro 2s for 50 bucks. They're so cheap. Man, it's... there
1: was a steal on the Endorphin Pro for a little bit. I forgot they... what it was. It was like 80, 90 They were in the
2: like 80s, that. yeah. Saucony was just Man, giving them away. That's
1: such a steal for that shoe. Man.
2: Yep. yep.
0: It's still great. They're out there. If
1: you look and you stay patient, you know, one thing I will say too is, and I think BJ hit the nail on the head on this, the average consumer, including myself, including Nathan, like we're in a very unique circumstance here. Like the average person does not have $250 to just go spend on a pair of running shoes. Like that's a pretty heavy chunk of change. That's a quarter grand, you know, like that's a lot of money. Um, And so there's a lot of other shoes in the middle that have, like, that's where the performance trainer category, I think really shines Mm -hmm. is you've got inexpensive shoes. Like one of my favorite shoes this year is the ASICS Evo ride three and, or ASICS Nusa Tri 14. It's what, 120 something like it's, (laughs) it's, it's a steal I think. And and it's simple. It's nothing like Mm -hmm. from a, a technology standpoint, it's the reason why it's as cheap as it is is because it's not using any of those crazy foams or new mm-hmm. technology. It's a simple geometry. It's got a gradual toe spring. You feel like you're always forward. It's just a fun shoe to run in with no, like, major frills besides that. Yep. And so it's one of the shoes that I get excited to run in when we're not testing other shoes. Like, And it's one of the most simplest, most pure enjoyments that I get.
0: And I think... That's a great example. Puma Liberate is another good example. I think that shoe's 110 bucks and it's and it then that's just a lightweight. Could, you can turn it over.
2: Yeah. I think I could rip a 5k in yeah. a Puma Liberate. Yeah. Those shoes are so great for
1: the short The other business. one that
0: was in my head. The Audios okay. is what 120? Yeah, the Audios. Is that the 7 that you have there? Audio 7.
1: Yeah, Audio 7. Solid shoe and it has a little bit of Lightstrike Pro too. And you've got that torsion system. It's a snappy, firm shoe that you can turn over. And, like, it's a fun shoe to run fast in. And it's a fraction of the price of a lot of these other shoes.
2: Yeah, I think that's – Nathan, go back to something you said. I think it's important to remember, like, you don't you don't need a super shoe to have a great race. You don't need a super shoe to get a PR. Like you said, you wouldn't have any super shoes if you weren't in the spot that you are. And I would have zero hesitation running a race in any of the lightweight trainers that I had, even now having, you know, a handful of yeah. super shoes. I'm confident I could go race anything up to a half in any of the, you know, endorphin yeah. speed, endorphin shift rebel V2 is like one of my all time favorite shoes. I run any race. Yeah. Yeah, in that shoe. It's a great shoe. And I would do just as well as I would in a super shoe. I have little doubt.
0: Actually, do you want to know the other shoe that I wanted to bring up before we get to that? Sorry, DJ is, um, my 10K PR right now is in the original version of the Reebok Floatride rate energy. So I, I got my first sub yeah, 40 10K in shoe. that shoe for $100. And it, again, it's not going to give you the scientific running economy benefits, but that isn't the point. <laughs> like for a lot of us, that's not the point. Like <laughs> we just want to find a shoe that's fun to run in, that you're going to be able to push your own boundaries. Like. Most of us aren't trying to qualify for the Olympics, Olympic trials, you know, or even to Boston. That's not most of our goal. Um, And our goal is to do better than we did before. And that means that the only shoe that comparison that matters is what your own previous shoe was. You don't need to compare. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it just doesn't always matter. But at the same time, we also had the whole conversation because it is fun to also think about what kind of benefits can you get from super shoes and whatever, but. You're gonna say something, David, with the shift. Oh,
1: yeah. I just coming back down to price point, like I brought up the performance trainers. I mean, right here to my right, I got the Evo Ride, I've got the Audio 7, and I've got the Hoka Mach 5. Like, these are all kind of like cheaper to middle tier type pricing with responsive, lightweight shoes. But it doesn't have to be that either. You know, there's a lot of people that like having something that's still lightweight, still has a decent amount of cushion underneath their foot that they just feel like they can fall into rhythm and just make running a little bit easier for them. And some of those shoes are shoes like the Saucony Endorphin Shift series. This is a Shift 3. Um... It might be a little bit more expensive. I don't know the price point on this one, but it could be something like the ASIC Super Blast, where now we're starting to put some of those new generation foams in a non-plated model. That could be a little bit cheaper. Uh, Saucony Tempest. You know, you have the Power on PB in there. You've got an EVA rim. No, you know, there's no plate, and there's actually pretty good outsole and traction. Durability is good. It's a shoe that you can use as a workhorse trainer and also racing. Like, yep. There's a lot of these shoes that dabble right in between that endorphin can... speed. Endorphin speed, I got it right here, and for being at a price point of 160, this is kind of the people's choice for that kind of hybrid super shoe, you know, cost benefit type ratio. Yeah, a um, lot of great options out there it does not have to be one of these top shelf 200 plus dollar racing shoes.
2: Yeah, I mean I think a really huge part of it for a lot of people is going to be like we've been saying something that you trust and something that you feel like you can find a good rhythm in because I remember my first couple of races, you know, especially when you're starting out for me, a 45 minute 10 K was super fast. I couldn't believe that I ran that fast. And, but that's like, you know, not that short of an amount of time to be on the road for, or, you know, an hour and 45 minute half marathon, you need something that you're going to feel comfortable being on your feet on And that's probably going to be something that you've trained in. Matt hammers this point home all the time on the show. There's nothing wrong with racing in a shoe you train in because you've trained in it. You know what it's going to feel like and you know you're going to be in rhythm at whatever that pace is.
0: Yep, I I think that brings us actually really well to the final question that I wanted to hear from you all about. And that's if you do end up getting a shoe for your racing, how do you go about running in that four-year race do you whip it out the first time on race day? should you get some runs in it beforehand? what are your what's your take on that David?
1: Yeah so I kind of have it almost down to a science at this point just with the amount of shoes that we're constantly testing because the last thing I want to do is put a shoe on for the first time and go run 13 mile. A lot of my workouts end up being 12 to 15 mile days and sometimes i have to warm up go do the workout like like i'm wearing the same shoe for warm up and cool down a lot of times mm. so i don't want that to be the first time i'm wearing the shoe and so i'll do a couple things i'll usually have a couple easy days leading up to a workout um if i have more time then i'll use it but um one day will be i don't know like easy 5 to 6 with some strides so you do that wear a different shoe put it on for the strides get a feel for just how it feels first because it's going to be pretty harmless, you know, just make sure it's locked down well. you're not having any heel slippage or something, take it out for a couple strides when you're already warm, just get a feel for the shoe. And then even if it's a super shoe, there's nothing wrong with taking it for like a two to three mile shakeout, just to get another feel for it, break it in a little bit. Um, those types of things. If think, if you do have a situation where you can warm up change shoes and then change back into another shoe for cool down and have a decreased volume in that shoe, that's perfect you know, especially if it's a controlled pace that you're hitting, not mm-hmm. everyone has that kind of regiment. So if you don't have that kind of regiment, just build it up and just be like, okay, I know what this feels like for three miles. I could probably do it for longer now. Yeah. And then once you usually have a pretty good feel at that point of like, okay, I think I can actually use this. Yep. And then now you take it for the actual effort and then then you're really going to know, you know, like when now I'm tired, now I'm moving faster. Now I'm actually at a decent effort. That's going to be somewhat close to what I'm probably racing. At. One
0: thing I'm going to just tack on there for someone like me, who's from them thinking marathon. So I'm, I'm thinking for the marathon right here for someone like me, who's running a bit slower. So like I ran a three thirty list a year ago and my long runs were at you know, an eight 30 to nine minute pace. That's kind of what I was going. My marathon pace was an eight minute mile. And so all I, all I knew is that I wanted to take the shoe that I was going to race in for a, a run that was over 15 miles, at least one, you know, and building your way, building my way up to that and doing some of my workouts in the shoe. But I also, because I'm going to be at this more steady pace where I'm not actually pushing that much at all. I, I really wanted to feel comfortable in it in that p- 15 mile plus long run, even at a pace slower than my marathon pace, which actually was super helpful because believe it or not, I did not finish strong in the last like two <laughs> miles. I was strong until mile 24 and then the wheels fell off and, and, it was nice to have a shoe that I knew that I could run slow in because I, I just felt comfortable with it. And it, I ran in, I did that one in the Endorphin Pro 2, and I felt good at slow paces and I felt good during workouts. And so the fact that it hit for me, someone in that kind of 330 realm, it was nice to have a shoe that I knew I was going to be safe in if I was super tired. Whereas for me, the Audios Pro 2, I would not want to run in that when I'm tired. Um, like wicked tired if i'm 5k tired yes but if i'm if i'm tired tired marathon tired no so i, I definitely think getting a long run and hey, you could be tired tired
1: during a 5k
0: it's different though right like
2: true but it's only it's gonna last like yeah, two minutes yeah, yeah, a minute. yeah. oh it, it can no last a full mile
0: <laughs> but it's different <laughs> though you know like it's different it's
2: different I mean if you're tiring from for me like you know six fifteen mile pace down to seven mile pace like that's a big difference than going from like marathon pace to holy crap my and legs will yeah. off pace. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But I think uh I like to I I kinda have a system like David does, so I'll do an you know, an easy shakeout with some strides in it to see how much fun it is on the strides, and then I'll do a um do a workout in it. Uh, something like tempo run or some intervals to see how it handles at pace. And this is usually, you know, one of the things that, uh, I mean, the whole reason we're having this conversation is I I think big part of it is to uh, like practice in the shoes. So you know how you're going to feel. So you know how it feels. So you know what to anticipate. It's something I feel like we've talked about a good bit is making sure you get practice in these shoes. You don't just strap on a brand new pair of shoes that you've never run in on race day. I mean, you can, but like, know you're going into it with some risk. Um, so I'll do a you know early in the cycle, you know maybe two months out for a race or something. I'll get, say I get a new pair of shoes. I'm going to try them out. Then when my you know I'm not as built mm-hmm. up with fatigue, do a shorter workout that's maybe a little less important. Uh, the other thing, kind of like you, Nathan, is I like to put them on uh like the second half of a long run when I'm already a little bit tired. Maybe I've already done ten miles or something. I've got another six, another five. Throw them on then and see how I feel. And I'm running about the same yep. pace that you are, so it'll be on tired legs, but, you know, not just easy pace, but something a little bit slower. And then I i don't know if this is like the right way to train, but I always have some big workout, you know, maybe a couple of weeks out, whatever the race is. That's like my key, like race simulation yeah. one. Maybe I'll do a, you know, like an eight minute time trial for a half marathon or something like that. Something yeah. that I like to do. And that's the one, that's like the one workout. I was like, okay, yep. I'm circling that one. And I know I'm going to wear my race shoe on that. Cause that's like yep. my test. race. Or if you're
0: doing an actual race in, in training. your training, like if you're doing a 10 K during your marathon yep. block, totally. that's a great time to, to use it. So, mm-hmm. well, good. I think this was a great conversation. Just getting everybody's perspective, because I, I think that there's, I, I don't want to say there's an overemphasis on running economy, but it can definitely drive the conversation a little bit too strongly in my opinion. And there's there's some space in this to consider things like that impact our daily lives, such as price point and thinking about what your actual goal is and the psychological benefits of different shoes. So I I think it's a really good conversation. One thing I'll just touch on, and I'm going to sign us off here, is just when you think about how do you go about picking a shoe, and this is where I do think your your running store, your local running store, can be a huge asset. If they allow you to run in a shoe for, I would ask for like 5 to 10 minutes in a shoe, jump on their treadmill or jump outside and get yourself a nice 5 to 10 minute run where you start really easy and just see what the shoe feels like, and then hit hit your marathon pace, your 10K pace, and just see what the shoe feels like and let that really drive. And do that two to three times with three different shoes and then pick the one you like the most. They're going to be your, a big asset for you. And then there are some universities, if you're really curious about uh, running economy and which shoes the best, there are some universities that use their VO2 carts where you can pay them to do running economy testing between different shoes. And I know Dustin is doing this at his new university. So um, we might Tag some of his info or at least his website, but, um, he's, he's got some of that going on. So again, thank y'all for joining us on this conversation. We want, again, we want to hear from you of how you go about picking your shoe, uh, for races and just kind of getting a little bit more information on how different people are going about these decisions. And if you want to follow what we're doing, you can go on docs We have all of our reviews and stuff on footwear science, and we do have a super shoe guide, uh, that goes through all the current pleated shoes. So you can check that out as well. And as as always, email us at podcast at gmail.com. Happy to get back to you as soon as we can. We all have pretty busy lives, but we do love responding when we can. Have a great day, night, morning, everybody.